Okay, we're on and back again. Thanks for being here. Hope you are well. Today, continuing discussion of Sutta Nipata. We're in Chulavaga, second chapter, um, which has multiple suttas. We're on Sutta number five called Suchi Loma Sutta. And the write-up simply is, another yaka challenges the Buddha with riddles and threatens to, quote, hurl out his mind, rip open his heart, or hurl him across the river Ganges, end quote, if he doesn't solve the riddles to the yaka's satisfaction. <clears throat> so this is the third of what could be called, what were called yaka ballads, yaka, yaksha ballads. They're not really ballads. <laughs> They're really uh, yaksha dialogues. Uh, the first two we saw uh, in the first chapter were Hemavata Sutta and Alavaka Sutta. Uh, both of those were yakas, Hemavata from Hima. Laya. Hima Hemavata means Hima Laya Vata being, meaning an air an air spirit over the Himalayas. And the other one is Alavaka, <clears throat> um, which was associated with a certain location, um, Alavi, I believe. And so this is the third. They are um, a bit mythological, and it's because they're quite they're kind of formulaic in terms of what's happening in each of the three suttas with the yakas, that the yaka um, alone or in a pair. Uh, challenge Gautama by question, and <clears throat> uh, mainly it's a vehicle that these sutta, these three yaka dialogue suttas show um, just more um, Buddha Dhamma in relation to um, Gautama's some core teaching about um, what is success or what is achievement, what are the goals what's the way of happiness, and what's the cause of pain. Very similar, very similar to the Four Noble Truths teaching that <clears throat> fits into the um, body, corpus of teachings regarding Four Noble Truths, uh, these three Yaka dialogues. So, uh, the second link, or uh, I'm not sure which link it is, let's see, uh, the first link that I sent you is uh, wisdomlib.org on the term suchiloma. And the term is um, needle hair. <laughs> Having hair like needles. Uh, down the page, it's needle-haired. Having hair like needles, it's the name of this yaka, as we see. And <clears throat> the um, short write-up of the sutta from Wisdom Lib. Uh, Laib on the same page is a yaka, meaning Suchiloma was the guy's name, needle-haired. Once when the Buddha, and this is the short version, the longer version is um, coming up next, which is even before the sutta that I want to read, this sutta from Tanisaro's translation. This is the short alternate, uh, short synopsis. Once when the Buddha was at Tan uh, Tankita Mangcha in Gaya, which was the abode of Suchiloma, this entity, Suchiloma and his friend Kara happened to be passing by, and Suchiloma, coming up to the Buddha, bent his body against the Buddha. The Buddha bent his body in the opposite direction, 
saying that contact with him was an evil thing. I mean, there's a backstory just to that. I'll explain later. Then Suchin Lama, the Yaka, asked him a question regarding the origin of various persuasions, and the Buddha answered him. <clears throat> and this is interesting. It is said that Suchin Lama, this Yaka, was a lay follower of Kashapa Buddha, meaning a previous age Buddha, meaning in ancient history, long, long before Gautama Buddha, there were other Buddhas. One of them is called Kashapa, Kasapa Buddha. This is probably mythology, hagiography, and I don't know if Gautama taught that those matters. The Gautama did teach that Buddhas come to worlds regularly, periodically. Uh, does he mean 3D worlds? Probably. Uh, did he specify the names of the past Buddhas before him? Maybe. I'm not sure. But um, obviously people can say this is mythology or hagiography, kind of embroidered, um, sensational, or um, <laughs> kind of uh, science fiction um, spiritual teaching about past life activities. But in that body, that portion of the Pali Canon where we get into past life stories, uh, the past life story of the Yaka who's talking to the Gautama here was that he was a human. He followed Kasapa Buddha. He used to visit the temple Bahar eight times a month, which is basically um, the two, the full moon and, and um, no moon days, and then um, four other or six others. Used to go to the Vahara eight times a month to hear the Dhamma. Uh, in another place, he said to have been a monk. One day, when he heard the gong announcing preaching, he was working in a field near the Vihara, thinking he'd be late if he stayed to wash. He entered the Uposata Hall, where he lay on a very costly rug with his dirty body coming out of the field as a human in some ancient time. As a, as a result of this action, the hairs on his body resembled needles, hence his name, Tsuchiloma, needle-haired. At the end of the Buddha's sermon, Tsuchiloma became a Sotapanna. So you go from Yaka to, to, to uh, Sotapanna. How about that? Yaka, um, in this case, is, is not quite proper because he was a human. I mean, I guess you can say that it, it does happen that beings that are called demons... Some were humans in past lives. Beings who are ghosts, hungry ghosts, peta, obviously were human in past life. Beings in hell, um, I would assume most of them were 3D humans in past lives. Uh, Ashuras, which are sort of committed service to self entities of non-physical dimensions. Um, presumably most of those were humans too, but, but being human is just a state. It just comes and goes. It's a little different than the raw material um, cosmology where um, humans don't become animals. Um, the Buddhist understanding, I think, I, I think, frankly, that I would agree with Ra that it's really quite rare that a 3D human soul uh, is reborn in the, in the womb of an ass, as they say, or the womb of an animal. Um, I think it happens, but it's rare. Certainly, there's a Maldek case. But Buddhism certainly understands, in line with the raw material, that um, one can be reborn um, wherever. And um, 
Shinra doesn't talk about hungry ghosts that much and hell being. <laughs> they don't want to because they um, they really studiously have avoided um, extended discussion of service self or sorrowful conditions that might lead into um, an extended discussion with Don that gets away from the principles of soul evolution and um, you know the law of one. So while they avoided certain topics, uh, Buddhism went into them like the you know, the the variety of rebirth modalities, uh, <clears throat> and perhaps um, there's a lot of mythology and um, embroidery <clears throat> that's unfair here. So whether this was a human or not, Suchiloma the Yaka, it does seem that uh, entities in other dimensions listening to this teaching could become uh, Sotapanna, meaning. Uh, high spiritual attainment is possible from multiple dimensional levels. Uh, a third level, third dimension and up, right? I don't know if there are that many cases. I don't know if there are any cases of Gautama preaching to animals who become... Uh, I don't think that animals uh, can become, or a being that's at the in an animal body could go from that directly to Sotapanna or one of the four attainments. <laughs> so it's all very complicated, but it's sort of interesting... But there's a lot more going on um, than people think. And um, so, <clears throat> anyway, he became a Yaka. And the other backstory from Wisdom Lib is uh, the third link. Uh, no, not the third. The second link I sent you. Buddhism book, The Great Chronicle of Buddhas. It's called The Great Chronicle of Buddhas. It's by a guy named Mingun Sayadaw who was a Burmese teacher, he looks a lot like Chico Javier, Chico Xavier, Chico Javier from Nosolar. He looks a lot like him. <laughs> if you do a Google search on Mingun Sayadaw, he looks a lot like Chico Javier. It's very strange, actually. So he put together this book, which is a million words and 700 pages. I have a copy on PDF. You can find it some places. He was a monk from age five in Burma. He, I believe, is in the Guinness, was or still is in the Guinness Book of World Records uh, for human memory. <clears throat> he um, presumably, and I believe it's true, was able to recite the entire Abhidhamma, 16,000 pages, uh, page, chapter, and line by memory. And so it's very the the write up on him uh was also very cute it's sort of said that he in the in the category of human memory was the world record holder uh at memorization of 16,000 pages and basically being asked uh recite <laughs> this line on that page of the 16,000 and he could do it, Mingon Sayada. So he has like, <clears throat> he's considered of the highest, the highest grade. He was, I mean, he was loaded down with honorific titles in Burma. They just loaded him down with half a dozen super, um, super high titling titles as, you know, th this is an example of a Buddhist Superman. This is a Buddhist Superman. And <laughs> the, the write-up, 
from Wikipedia or some other place talking about his ability and memory said something like, uh, modern science has documented cases like this. And that's all they said. <laughs> because <clears throat> he's not an idiot savant. He's um, one of the best qualities or examples of a Buddhist monk who um, <laughs> directed uh, his uh, energy significantly into great mind, mind development. So he is a massively developed mind. And um, <clears throat> what level of attainment, we don't know. But uh, <clears throat> he sort of uh, is an exemplar of the Buddhist path, this man, Bingun Sayadaw. Very important person, and he died, I think, in 93 or something, lived 80 years or something. And a very important person in Burmese Buddhism. Uh, and, and really... Uh, not a Buddha, but um, of a somewhat comparable type or, or a, a comparable level of a somewhat different achievement. Not the achievement of necessarily complete and perfect enlightenment, I don't know, nor the achievement of being a world Dhamma, you know, world turning Buddha, but the achievement of um, a tremendously developed mind complex. And that's really rare, obviously. <laughs> he's in the Guinness Book. And so he's the one who wrote this book, which you can find, Great Chronicle of Buddhas. And so part six, this is actually um, the delivery of the Suchi Loma Sutta. I may take two weeks with this, because it's just an interesting story to go slowly with. So this was Buddha's 14th... This occurred during Gautama's... 14th Vasa, meaning rains retreat, several months staying in one place in a monastery. This was at Savati uh, for the rainy season of the 14th year of uh, him doing that. So he, if, if Gautama attained enlightenment around 30, 34, 33, I don't know, then this was when he was in his mid-40s. So he's right in his prime and there were multiple Vasa seasons listed in the uh, book here. I mean, if you see this book, uh, Great Chronicle of the Buddhas, <laughs> Mingon, who you know obviously can memorize 16,000 pages of Amidama, so he's not too limited in anything much he does with his mind, uh, compiled stories from multiple years of Gautama's uh, Rains retreat teachings. <laughs> so uh, he's a cherished person in Burmi in Burma, and in Burmese Buddhism. And various uh, governments and military regimes courted him to some degree to be on their side. And he was sort of politically neutral, of course. So part six is in this write-up on Buddha's fourteenth Vasa rainy retreat, rains retreat at Savati in the Great Chronicle of Buddhas put together by uh, Venerable Mingun Sayadaw. And this was the backstory, delivery of the Suchi Lama Sutta. And <clears throat> this is a very, you know, he, he found, he, I don't know where he gets it. He, he's basically drawing on 16,000 pages of the Abhidhamma literature to put this all together. 
So the story, the real deeper story that he provides is one day when the Buddha emerged from Mahakaruna Samapati, Samapati, Samapati. Mahakaruna means great compassion, right? One of the second of the of Brahma Viharas, right? Metta, Karuna, uh, Mudita, and Upeka. Uh, so the second is Karuna, compassion. Mahakaruna Samapati meaning uh, a trance, a state of mind of great compassion, basically radiating love light um, boundlessly or universally. He emerged from this trance, this state, immediately before dawn, surveyed the world of sentient beings with his Buddha eye, and then <laughs> it's talked about the, the two knowledges um, that are associated with the Buddha eye, basically seeing beings born and, and dying, be, beings uh, dying and going into other bodies. So, this is this is the background of <laughs> of um, Mingun Sayadaw's um, Superman <coughs> mind, memory, function, ability, power that modern science does not want to talk about. <laughs> Talking about higher states of consciousness and virtue and multi-dimensionality and uh, rebirth, and law, and hell. That's what modern science doesn't want to hear, because they're, they're just small minds. He saw the past acts of merit belonging to the two ogre, meaning yaksha, friends, meaning suchiloma and karaloma, two types of hair. Suchi is the needle hair. Kara is rough, rough hair. That would bring, meaning he can see that they had done past merit, even though they were now entities born in a yaka condition. Meaning, uh, something like a hungry ghost, I'd say. Meaning an earthbound spirit of a certain type. And so he saw their past acts of merit. He saw that they were not far away. He saw what would bring their, what when, what then would bring about their attainment of sotapata, uh, sotapanya, sotapana, uh, sotapati, so there are all sorts of different words that different people use. And actually, his translation of this sutta, Mingun Sayada, has a very major difference between uh, from the translation of Tanasaro, a, a critical difference, and it's a little strange. So it's a different... We can look into that later. So the backstory, Gautama comes out of this trance, or in the trance, of... Uh, universal love, compassion, send transmission, love light. He sees the two, these two entities that are not too far away. He sees their past merit, and he sees that they're not far from uh, realization of um, sotapanna level, meaning um, break the first three fetters, have a first level awakening. So <laughs> it goes on. He took his bowl, and hence he took his bowl and robe and set out even at dawn, meaning earlier than normal sat on the lithic couch called tamkita. Lithic couch means a stone couch, means a slab of stone that's flat, at the mansion of Suchiloma, meaning the Yaka's mansion, near the village of Gaya, like Bodgaya. And so there's a stone slab placed on four corners as a seat. At the time, the two ogre or Yaka friends went out in search of food, wandering about the place somewhat near the Buddha. So he's basically set himself on the lithic couch waiting for them to come by. And um, 
without going into the first detail, um, for Kara, the Yaka. So you see, uh, Mingun translates Yaka as ogre when, you know, um, he could have used Yaka, but people don't want to hear foreign words sometimes. I don't know. So anyway, when he frightened others, this fellow Kara Loma, he had his skin or scales bloated, meaning his skin was scaly and rough and natty. As he had a rough body surface, he was called Kara the Yaksha. All right, and the idea was actually he stole <laughs> some money, some oil belonging to the Sangha, and for that he was uh, reborn with this nasty skin as a what a Yaka Preta, um, a sort of ogreish, hungry ghost, uh, wandering spirit. Then we have the other Suchiloma, the other ogre. And the story, um, <laughs> I don't know if it's important or not, but it's interesting. You see, it's springtime, so we have some of that type of bird has returned to the big bamboo grove. Uh, this other yaksha, in the backstory, he was a supporting. I, I mean, I've just as an aside, I've in this great chronicle of the Buddhas. There's some very interesting. There are four stories of rich lay people, and they're super fanciful. And I wouldn't presume that uh, I don't think Gautama spoke them whatsoever. But somewhere they're in the Yabinama, uh, and even though they're clearly, uh, I mean, in my limited understanding, uh, fanciful and not uh, realistic or on not not honest or accurate, meaning it didn't really physically happen. Still, there's some very unusual and interesting um, core Buddhist principles presented in those narratives of the rich men, the rich lay people, and their fates over multiple lifetimes. And so there's all, even here in this backstory, which may be fanciful, from the Amidama somewhere, about this, the history of these two yakshas, still, uh, I think, there are um, here and there scattered some very um, interesting principles that uh, are often not presented in other places because they're very situational about someone's personal life story because that's what these are, life stories of past lives and uh, multiple lifetime uh, karmic streams of, of, of entities. So anyway... The story here for Suchi Loma was he was a supporting lay devotee during the lifetime of the Buddha Kasapa, so in some ancient time. Used to go to the monastery, listen to the sermon every sermon day, eight days a month, twice a week, I guess, uh, four within each 15-day period. One day, when the invitation for attendance to the sermon was announced, the gong, he heard it from his farm where he was cleaning the farm or fixing the farm. He was a farmer. Without taking a bath, lest it should take time, he entered the Upasata Hall with his dirty body and lay on a very costly rug on the ground, showing no care for it. So he just uh, rolled or sat his uh, farm-dirtied body on the expensive rug. Because of this and other acts, he suffered in Niraya, one of the hells, and became a member of an ogre family near the Lake of Gaya. <laughs> So first he goes into one level of the lower zones, or the astral, like all the hell. Then 
he's born he's reborn out of that or moves out of that somehow and becomes an earthbound spirit near lake near a lake at Gaia near Bodhgaya as a subsequent result of his bad deeds he had a terribly ugly look and so Buddhism is very straightforward in the Pali Canon originally that there is beauty and ugly and those are the result of past deeds and uh, virtue and merit <clears throat> lead to beauty and uh, immorality and harm particularly by the mouth and con um, you know it's mainly actions physical behavior and speech particularly uh, ugly mouth speech um, that which is really harsh and um, dissonant um, shrill uh, very painful to hear uh, it's sort of like the jackhammer is just you could be uh, a Buddha but I don't think the Buddha will the, the jackhammer is not the same as a, um, a, a beautiful singing bird in the forest and so they're just different not these guys but some other ones come so uh, there really is a difference <laughs> between a beautiful symphony and a jackhammer yeah really and so uh, likewise there's a difference between uh, facial or bodily beauty which is uh, harmony proportionality symmetry um, uh, certain features or qualities that define beauty versus not and uh, those are a result of past uh, deeds particularly speech and um, conduct towards others so anyway from his uh, bad karma his body hair was sharp pointed prickling like needles when he frightened other beings he did so as though he were piercing them with needles so he was just an angry ugly fellow <laughs> ugly angry and a lot of people who are ugly I mean there is ugly you know <laughs> ugly doesn't mean you're bad it means your appearance is ugly you or whatever and so People are very weak now. Uh, anyway, he frightened other beings. They felt like they were being pierced with needles. Because of that, he was called Suchiloma, needle-haired. Then, getting out of their abode to look for food that morning, the two Yaksha friends walked for some time. So what do they walk on their Yaksha legs? And returned by the same way. They walked with whatever body forms they had, which are not human. Um, so that, that's earth-boundedness they have a body form that's quasi-humanoid although it, it's monstrous and exaggerated in different ways uh, and have some uh, spatio-temporal association to 3D space-time, to the physical dimension meaning they are participatory in the uh, time flow to some degree of 3D space-time as well as interfacing with the physical dimension uh, most hell beings or beings really in hell don't they're, they're segregated likewise astral city no solar and higher levels of Kamaloka meaning higher astral plane and four five six seven dimensions dot 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 are really quite in is independent of don't interface directly normally as far as I know um, third density physical so that's interesting too so they're still <laughs> uh, 3D space-time related. Uh, 
while visiting another place, they happened to reach a place that was somewhat close to the Buddha, um, meaning they could see him. He knew they were walking. <laughs> he knew their past karma. He knew their merit. And he knew that they were actually um, ready for breakthrough. Then Kataloma, rough-haired, said to Suchiloma, needle-haired, what he honestly thought. He thought, that man is a monk. Suchiloma replied, that man is not a true monk. He's only a false one, because he's so smart, Mr. Suchiloma. I will investigate to know for certain whether he's a true monk or not. So the yaksha is like the angry troll. Hey, hey, trolls are kind of ogre. Hey, hey, that's like a yaksha. Hmm. So people, <laughs> uh, dumbo humans, who are online having a good time and getting off on attacking, you get off on attacking verbally by online posting, Mr. Troll Yoga, Mr. Troll, you'll end up, you may well end up as a troll. Yeah, you'll be reborn as a yaksha. Cool. So you act, you like trolling? Good. You'll have the body that matches it in the dimensionality with the conditions that, that match your um, preferred troll uh, personality. <laughs> You'll have a troll or a yaksha's body. Hey, hey, not for sure, but may well be. Herein, on seeing the appearance of a monk, rough-haired Karaloma honestly said, that man's a monk. Suchiloma, the other fellow, was of the opinion, if the man fears, he's not a true monk. He's only a false one. So his, th his trip was uh, uh, scaring people, <laughs> going around scaring people, and thereby, in his mind, demonstrating how the other was inferior to him. Hmm, that behavior does happen, doesn't it, these days? Uh, people attack and uh, criticize just for the intention to show that the object of their attack is inferior and that they themselves, the attacker, are superior. So goes the mind of that person. And so that's their the brilliant... <laughs> so the angry attacker, troll or online particularly, um, that, that <laughs> is uh, named for the ogre or yaksha, um, has the perspective of demonstrating their superiority by um, attacking the other uh, in ways that the other will demonstrate um, inability to respond or therefore uh, or, or demonstrate their inferiority. So I'm going to attack you and demonstrate that I'm superior and you're inferior. That that is the mindset, perhaps, for some. Anyway, this fellow, uh, needle-haired, uh, had the sense Gautama's a false one, and wrongly thinking that the Buddha would be frightened, he hastily said, that man's not a true monk, he's only a false one, uh, meaning he was he had his certainty, because he's so smart, like a lot of people here. Then he became desirous of making investigation. Hence he added, I'll investigate to know for certain whether he is a true monk or not. So, okay, he's going to investigate, which is a good plan. Thereafter, needle-haired Sujiloma went up to the Buddha and bent his big, ugly, bristled body toward the Buddha. The Buddha suddenly moved his body to the other side. This prompted Sujiloma to ask, Are you frightened of me, monk? Gautama replies, Dear Yaksha, 
I am not frightened by you. Your body contact is indeed rough and vile, though. Meaning, I'm not frightened by you. It's just that your body contact is really rough and vile, or nasty. <laughs> so I'm not afraid, but I don't want to touch you, either. Then, seeing the Buddha without the, tri- without the slightest trace of fear, Suchi Lama thought, despite his experience of my body touch that was so rough, this man, though a real human, is not afraid. So the yakshas look down on some humans. Now I will present to him some problems worthy of an omniscient Buddha's sphere of wisdom, Buddha Visaya. He will not be able to tackle them fully. So this is where you get um, storytelling. So these are sort of standard um, standard issue um, religious, metaphysical, yogic um, testing questions, topics that we see in some of the other Yaksha suttas and in other suttas in the Pali Canon. Uh, and so, you know, even the phrasing here, I will present some problems worthy of an omniscient Buddha's sphere of wisdom. Uh, do the Yaksha think like that? I don't, I don't know about that, but it's this is a Buddhist, <laughs> a Buddhist crafted uh, story. Uh, thinking he will not be able to tackle them fully, then the Yaksha thought, then I shall torment him in such and such a way. Hey, hey, what fun! So, so all <laughs> the the people who enjoy hurting others, verbally, intellectually, uh, or physically, are like this, and um, that's a good basis for being reborn as a Yaksha with a nasty, ugly body, and nobody wants to be near you. Uh, he said rudely, quote, Monk, I shall ask you some questions. If you cannot give me a thorough answer, I shall make you mad, or, meaning insane, I shall drive you insane, or I shall burst open your heart, or I shall throw you to the other bank of the river by catching hold of your legs. So, <laughs> these are people who love threatening. They have a yaksha mind in the human body already. Then, the Buddha, with his face gladdened by his great compassion, meaning he was already in a Mahakaruna trance, and, um, <laughs> uh, or at least previously, uh, he was happy to hear this. Gladdened, his face gladdened by great compassion. So he's being attacked, and he has a big, and he has a, a, a radiant face that was glad, or cheerful, or well. I don't know about happy, but he was well and radiated it uh, in the face of these threats and said, Friend Yaksha, the celestial world with Devas, Maras, and Brahmas, which is really uh, Deva kingdom and Asuras, and then Brahmas are higher level Devas, and the terrestrial earthly world with monks, Brahmins, and princes. In either of these two worlds, I see none who is able to make me mad or to burst open my heart, or to throw me to the other bank of the river by catching hold of my two legs. Be that as it may, friend Yaksha, ask me whatever questions you want. I shall answer your questions without leaving anything, meaning leaving anything unspoken. And um, so even though this is a Buddhist uh, storytelling, mythology, hagiography, there's a word called hagiography. It's only strange people know this word. Certain words that only odd people know. Hagiography is the writing of the lives of saints. 
um, uh, and it's usually and it's commonly embellished with um, amazing, uh, wondrous, sensational detail, which uh, probably is imaginal. Uh, but even if it is um, uh, heavily mythologized imagination, fantasy, fantasy hagiography, biography of Buddha or stories of his life, there are all these important, interesting principles, <laughs> like the possibility that one could be verbally attacked or threatened and respond with a face gladdened by great compassion, that a face that we can feel glad and well and great compassion and not afraid in the face of a terrifying um, being with a, with some heavy threat. When the Buddha invited the ogres, the yakshas questions the way of an, the way an omniscient Buddha would, Suchilama put his question thus in verse. And then you've got basically <coughs> um, Mingun Sayadaw's translation uh, of Suchiloma Sutta. Now, <clears throat> instead of going with his, let's see where we are. Instead of going with his, I'd like to read Tanisaro's translation. And in the first part of, that's the, <clears throat> what is it? It's the third link I sent you. The Sutta. Um, goes over where we were before, and so I'll start. Suchiloma Sutta, translated by Tanisaro Bhikkhu. In the first half is where we were already. I have heard that on one occasion the Blessed One was staying in Gaya at Tamkita Mancha, the haunt of Suchiloma, needle hair yaka. And on that occasion, Kara, or rough yaka, and Suchiloma the yaka, passed by not far from the Blessed One. Kara, the yaka, said to Suchiloma, the yaka, that's a contemplative, or monk. And Suchiloma said, that's not a contemplative, that's a fake contemplative, I'll find out whether that's a contemplative or a fake contemplative. So, Suchiloma, Suchiloma the yaka, <coughs> uh, Suchiloma yaka, ble- approached the Blessed One, on arrival leaned his nasty body up against the Blessed One, the Blessed One leaned his body away. So, Suchiloma, the Yaka, said to the Blessed One, Are you afraid of me, monk? No, Gautama said. No, I'm not afraid of you, friend. Just that your touch is evil. And Suchiloma continues, Okay, I'll ask you a question, contemplative or monk. If you can't answer me, I will hurl out your mind, meaning I will destroy your mind, or rip open your heart, or grabbing you by the feet, hurl you across the Ganges. <clears throat> These are pleasures of the Yaksha mind, which uh, you may find <laughs> some people, uh, some humans indulge in, or they attempt to. Then Gautama replies, My friend, I see no one in the cosmos with its devas, maras, and brahmas in this generation with its contemplatives and brahmins, its royalty and common folk, who could hurl out my mind, or rip open my heart, or, grabbing me by the feet, hurl me across the Ganges, but, nevertheless, ask me what you wish. So, Suchiloma the Yaka addressed the Blessed One in verse, <clears throat> and here comes the questions. And it's basically, um, again, um, 
related to the Four Noble Truths. So, Suchi Loma asked, Passion and aversion come from what cause? Displeasure and then delight. Horripilation are born from what? Arising from what? Do thoughts fling the mind around as boys a captive crow? <clears throat> so, uh, passion and aversion, two of the three poisons, come from what? Uh, displeasure, unhappiness, and then delight. So the two contrasts, un unhappy, happy. Horripilation, sounds like uh, depilation, is, I guess it's horribleness, are born from what? Um, arising from what? Meaning, what's the cause of thoughts that fling the mind around like boys throw a captive crow? Meaning, why, why, why do minds get all screwed up? <clears throat> and the Buddha replies, and I'd like to, I'm going to read through this and then compare a bit, if we have time, to um, Mingun Sayadaw's translation. The Buddha said, Passion and aversion come from this as a cause. <laughs> Displeasure, delight, harapalation are born from this Arising from this, thoughts fling the mind around as boys a captive crow. There, meaning uh, these tendencies, they're born from affection, arisen from the mind, from oneself. Like the trunk born or shoots of a banyan tree, thick, attached to sensuality, like a maluva vine spread in the forest. Uh, meaning th this is all born from the mind. Those who discern where it's born, drive it out. Listen, Yaka, they cross over this flood, so hard to cross, never crossed before, for the sake of no further becoming. <clears throat> That's what Buddhism's about, crossing over the flood of required um, reincarnation in multiple dimensions, the seven dimensions, the 31 planes, uh, six realms, three worlds, Triloka, right? Kamaloka, Rupaloka, Arupaloka. The six realms, including the higher devas and asuras, positive, negative. 31 planes, which is a division of the, you know, a, a fine-tuned, fine breakdown of the Triloka, or three realms, um, those are associated with the seven dimensions. And that flood or ocean of samsara, ocean of birth and death, um, is surmounted, um, is the goal of the Buddhist practice and the goal of Buddhism. This, for the sake of no further becoming. <laughs> this is a whole lot different than Christianity. It's a whole lot different than everybody else, except for Hinduism. Taoism is the same, but they just don't go into the same detail, or the same explanation, the same type of definition. But it's only Buddhism and Hinduism, maybe, I don't know, Sufism, but at least I know Buddhism and Hinduism are the only ones who are talking about uh, freedom from uh, existential becoming. <clears throat> this is a long way beyond just love your neighbor. Love your neighbor is good for people who don't know much about love which is the majority of folks down on this world. But for those who are, dis who, who are 
pretty well settled in merit or virtue or love or harmlessness or kindliness. Um, uh, for those that are settled in that and um, have heard, have integrated those teachings, they've learned those teachings already to some degree. Love your neighbor, uh, love your God. You know, <laughs> you are your brother's keeper. Uh, like that. Uh, now what? Well after that, which is called morality, or ethics, or virtue, or the basis of merit, there's a spiritual practice, and transformation, and liberation, and release. And that is the condition, or not a condition, but freedom from conditions, that is, is called no further becoming. That's nirvana. That's the end of uh, reincarnation in the octave. <clears throat> What's interesting here, and... Um, that's so timing. All right. What's interesting here, this is a high-density, boom-boom-boom presentation, is that um, the first portion of Gautama's response, um, there, there are three, basically. There's the section that starts with passion, aversion, passion and aversion coming from this. Then the section that here begins, they're born from affection arisen from mind from oneself and the third section is those who recognize that then become free those who discern where it's born meaning where where mental uh, activity is born of uh, mental activity particularly that is disturbing um, associated obviously with these are all mind states um, as forms of becoming. Becoming uh, changed. Uh, uh, the mind um, changing mind changing conditions. Conditions of mind that change. Changed, changing mind conditions. Like thoughts and feelings coming and going. These thoughts and feelings um, or qualities of mind arise from cause all of them and then they <laughs> actually disturb the mind <laughs> perpetually and the question is what is the cause now <laughs> the term where's the point of contention between Tanisaro's translation versus Mingun Sayadaw's translation uh, is actually <laughs> um, the word this, which is note one. Passion and aversion come from this as a cause. Displeasure, delight, horripilation, or horror are born from this, arising from this. Thoughts fling the mind around. So the cause of all that mental activity is this. What's this? His note Tanisara's note is that this is one's own self-state. Atabhava. Atta, like Atman. Atabhava. Bhava is like becoming or being or um, existence. Atabhava means my own becoming, my own state. And it's left unidentified in the verse, Tanisara writes. However, it seems more likely, so according to Samuta, uh, according to one source, which may be SNA, I think that's Abhidhamma, it's one's own self-state, according to, it uh, arises from this, 
your own mind, body, spirit, your own beingness, totality, it comes from you. <laughs> Where does it come from? It comes from you. All this stuff that that makes the mind um, disturb, or these states of um, mind, states of mind, thought and feeling, come from you. Come from your own nature, some aspect. Uh, but <clears throat> Tanasaro says, however, seems more likely that this refers to the affection born in turn from one's own mind or self. What's the difference between one's own mind and self? Uh, not too much, really. As mentioned after the simile of the boys with the captive crow, and note, note number two um, <clears throat> is just the alternate translation or the second section, they're born from, meaning these various mind states come out of uh, affection arisen from mind from oneself and then attachment to sensuality and <clears throat> oneself um, the mind oneself meanings of the word atan close to ata as atababa so one's own self state <laughs> one's own mind one's own self comes from what what you is what what i is <clears throat> whatever i is whatever this sense of i is or the totality of the it's really the objective reality the multidimensional reality objective multidimensional reality of what i is what a self is what a beingness is that's the source of all the man, mind states that that being experiences it's pretty straightforward what's the source you you're the source well, that's very simplistic. Uh, but it's certainly associated with sensuality or body uh, attachment. It, it's associated ultimately with craving, of course, and meaning all these states that could be called forms of clinging, um, clinging to attachment or clinging to seeking uh, desires that represent a form of clinging and beliefs that are mistaken that are clung to and <clears throat> the world of mind states that, that drive some people crazy or seem to be kind of crazy making the monkey mind uh, comes from various attachments, <laughs> of course desires, and deeper than that, craving, tanha, thirst, hunger which is um, a deep sense that, that the, the current mind state in the current moment is deficient. I'm deficient, it's deficient, something's missing, I need something. Um, the opposite of that is, I'd say, being able to comfortably watch the breath uh, in mindfulness meditation for hours on end. <laughs> I mean, it's very possible, you know. It's the very high state. It's a very high development, let's say to be able to sit in meditation watching breath for hours on end um, where there's no significant disturbance in the mind. That indicates a very deeply purified mind. I'm not there. <laughs> but I know. Uh, I think I know what it looks like. I've seen those who are there. <clears throat> and um, no disturbance in mind uh, is the ability is the basis of the ability to concentrate or be one-pointed 
or sit in mindfulness for hours on end, hour and after hour. Uh, the mind, deep levels, deeper, ever deeper levels of mind have been purged or purified or uh, had attachments released. Tendencies, desires, dissatisfactions, various forms of passion, aversion, passion, desire, aversion, dislike, um, exist at various levels of mind. And that's why we can't sit hour after hour quietly, peacefully, well, you know, in equanimity, watching breath or in concentration. And so, <clears throat> for most people, uh, thoughts fling the mind around, like boys flinging a captive crow, which I guess animal abuse was uh, performed then too. So all of this stuff, obviously, born from affection, arisen from mind, from oneself, but there's attachment to sensuality, and that's where we get <laughs> something that was very surprising to me, which is that the, the polytext original that Tanisaro is using is not the same as the polytext original that Mingun Sayadaw was using. One word was different. And it was really, <clears throat> it's a long, it's, it's just, these things just go on and on, but uh, it just shows you, let me just see if I can find this. It, it shows that <laughs> no matter what the translator's bias, um, there are multiple originals from which translators are working. <laughs> uh -huh. And so some of the words are different. And uh, that makes a big difference, potentially. And so on the Access to Insight page, uh, <clears throat> it shows the original as some poly canon versus 271, 275. <clears throat> trying to find, since I don't read Pali, trying to find out <laughs> where it fits with the English. Uh, what particularly was very strange <laughs> was that uh, the last word of the first phrase, the first verse, the first phrase, <laughs> the first verse, <clears throat> the first phrase, uh, where, just a second, uh, where Gautama says passion and aversion come from this as a cause. <clears throat> Tanisaro is working from a translation that says rago, chadoso, chakuto, nidano. Rago is raga, or passion. Doso is dosha, or, ig or ignorance. Um, I guess it's not sort of rag, Raga's desire and Doso, I guess, is a, a version. But <clears throat> the last word, uh, Rogo, uh, Rago cha, Doso cha, Kuto nidano. Uh, so Rago and Doso, or Raga and Dosa, or desire, greed, of passion, and aversion, hatred. Uh, come from Kuto Nidano <laughs> in uh, Mingun Sayadaw's translation, the word is not uh, Kuto Nidano, 
it's ito nidana. Oi. And so every time Tanasaro is working from something that, or, or in some cases, <laughs> uh, Tanasaro is working from a translation that has the Pali word kuto nidano, and Mingan is working from a translation that says ito nidana. Not the exact, not, they're different tenses of the same word, but it leads to potentially a very different translation. <clears throat> um, and so uh, it's the same kind of thing. So uh, one of them is wor- working with uh, one tense of one of a word that the other's translation has as the other, an other tense of the same word, which could lead to a very different translation. <laughs> and so the translation from Burmese, the Burmese text they're using, that Mingun Sayadaw, I guess, is working from, I guess he's working from Burmese, is lust and hate have their source in this body. And he translated, <clears throat> lust and hate have their source in this body. Uh, these three kinds of emotions, namely displeasure in wholesome things of a quiet forest monastery, pleasure in the five, and so <laughs> he's got a whole other situation that's been added in here. This term, dear yaksha, dear ogre, wasn't necessarily in the original text. So it's it's really very complicated when you start to compare multiple translations from multiple original or source texts that that have different words or words with different tenses that are normally translated differently and then other texts that have a backstory or don't. He wrote, lust and hate have their source in this body, not in self-nature. I mean, if you don't have this body, that means you have no lust and hate? Of course not. Meaning higher dimensional beings with other bodies, not physical, still have desire and aversion, so it can't be this physical body only, but it could be embodiment. Then you get very subtle. To say that these distortions have their source in embodiment, in the very condition of incarnation itself, whether it's incarnation into this dimension or a higher dimension, the very condition of embodiment is a, a continuing source of distortion and mind states in 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 consciousness. Mind distorted mind states arise <clears throat> inevitably, or by the line of least resistance, when there's being incarnation, incarnative state, meaning not just the incarnate of three D meat, carne carne asada, not just in this body, but in any body in any dimension, meaning it's only, even in sixth density, when there's some delimited uh, light body or spherical light radiant form as the so-called body anchor in that dimension, even there, again, there's some kind of embodiment or form, and therefore third and fourth and fifth and sixth density beings in space-time or whatever with some kind of body form, light body, energetics associated with that dimension, just that is a potent, inevitable source of distortion or the three poisons, grasping, aversion, ignorance, and ignorance, 
fundamental avidya ignorance that leads to craving. So craving um, is the default condition of mind um, when beings have a body in any dimension. That's a strange notion. So it might be that lust and hate have their source in body, in embodiment. Then he goes on, three kinds, these three kinds of emotion, namely displeasure in wholesome things of a quiet forest monastery, pleasure in five sense objects, and goose flesh arise from this body or embodiment. As village children throw up a crow for fun after tying its feet with a rope, that's their fun, so the ninefold thought appear from this very body and overthrow the wholesome consciousness. So you see, he's actually <laughs> doing commentary and translation. And so he's interspersing commentary with translation. Um, ninefold thought appear from the very body. Ninefold thought may be associated with the three poisons times three. But um, where he translates the word body embodiment um, from ito nidana trans, uh, tanasaro translates the cause of all that as self nature or this working from kuto nidano instead of uh, ito nidana now <laughs> that doesn't might might not might not matter to you but it matters to me because it's a very deep different teaching to say that um, lust and hate have their source in this body, meaning a human body, which is not true, or in the very condition of incarnation or embodiment in general. The, the sheathing of awareness in a dimensional body form. That's very interesting, and I think that's true. Not that it's the cause, but it's the line of least resistance. Meanwhile, to say that all the distortions and mind state and craving and poisons come from self-nature um, is a little needs to be a little tweaked but in any case that the, the answer is it comes from you and it comes from us when we're in a body and associate in the very act of um, incarnative or embodied existence embodied consciousness um, the line of least resistance is ignorance or basic avidya that leads to craving and clinging and the three poisons and all sorts of distortions and then lower chakra blockage and then rebirth in multiple dimensions and then periodic visits to hell <laughs> or as a yaksha or hungry ghost if one makes trouble or gets into trouble in 3D physical. Uh, and so that's the connection to the um, banyan tree uh, maluva vine uh, spread in the forest attached to sensuality. And, <clears throat> and that's about it for the sutta, meaning that's about the heart of the deeper meaning. Gautama uh, basically says that it's um, these poisons, three poisons, and that which makes the mind crazy, meaning endless thought, and um, as Mingun Sayadaw put, displeasure in wholesome things, 
such as a quiet forest monastery. So a lot of people have displeasure. Or, I mean, it happens. We have displeasure in a peaceful, quiet uh, environment. And or a person comes to us and is a really fine person or she loves me or he loves me and the person can't um, appreciate the goodness of the other and their offering and thinks that good is bad or is uncomfortable um, receiving love or uncomfortable being listened to or cannot actually accept kindness or harmonious condition or thinks that's just boring or stupid like Buddhism oh that's just weird <laughs> so um, troublesome troubled minds get trouble and they are troubled because they don't know they're troubled and they haven't been able to get out or they think that they're well or they're rejecting true wellness or the basis of wellness the causes and remain troubled and unwell <laughs> whether they know it or not so there's uh, uh, countless case studies of that here for us to view uh, and so at the end and you can take a look and read I'm gonna have to I'm gonna wrap this up for today but at the end here um, the the uh, uh, both of them attain sotapanna. It's a uh, sotapatipala, meaning the fruit of sotapanna or first level awakening stream entry. Um, I just read briefly uh, Mingun Sayadaw's, uh, I think it's a translation with commentary uh, at the end, associated with what Gautama said, the final paragraph, the final verse. Uh, before telling the story that they both got awakened, um, he wrote um, that Gautama said the second verse, second, or the last one, listen, friend Yaksha, certain, certain persons know thoroughly that the physical frame, and here's something where we can say, the physical frame, the physical body, which is the embodiment of the five aggregates, meaning the five skandhas or khandas, the constituents of the sense of self, right? Body, sensations in the body, perceptions of body, bodily senses, and mind sense six, samskara or sankara or mental forma formations, thought and feeling, all mental, mental composites, mental activity, and then consciousness itself, five aggregates. The physical frame as the embodiment or the incarnative <laughs> um, presentation of the five aggregates which form the sense of self, which forms the truth of suffering. So this is um, body as the source of dukkha. Which forms the truth of suffering, dukkha, has its source in craving and greed, which forms the truth of the cause of suffering, meaning its tana and desire, is the cause of is the truth associated with the cause of suffering. And so these are, he's giving a nice rundown of the Four Noble Truths here. So certain persons know <laughs> that uh, the physical frame, which can be called the embodiment of the five aggregates or five skandhas or the constituents of how, I ha how we come to have a sense of self, 
and which forms the truth of suffering, which is sort of body and five skandhas as the basis of dukkha. Yeah, has its source, meaning why? Why do we have a body? Because the source is craving and greed, meaning desire for reincarnation, desire for experience, desire for embodiment, desire for various pleasures or this or that, social level or anything. So the source of the body, which is the truth of dukkha, the source of the body is craving, greed, tana, right, upadana, three poison distortions and all that. That forms the truth of the cause of dukkha. So second noble truth. They, then people who know, drive away that craving and greed, meaning dukkha, the cause of embodiment, the truth of that cause of suffering, tana, ignorance, greed, desire, by means of the truth of the Eightfold Path, right? That's the fourth noble truth, leading to cessation of dukkha. These noble ones who have thus driven away craving and greed, tanha and desire, the cause of dukkha and the cause of embodiment, cause uh, cross over this fourfold torrential flood of moral defilements. The fourfold torrential flood of moral defilements. <clears throat> Not many people even want to hear words like that. The flood, which is difficult to overcome, which has not been crossed over in the past existences in samsara, meaning in your past lives, you haven't finished reincarnation, obviously. Even not in a dream, meaning you didn't even dream about being free of reincarnation. For, meaning uh, which has not been crossed over in past existences in samsara, even not in a dream, for the non-arising of, a, of rebirth, i.e. the truth of the cessation of suffering, the third noble truth. And so... This, yes indeed, <laughs> is a teaching of Gautama to the Akshas about the Four Noble Truths in a nice way. And the cause of suffering, um, while it isn't the physical body itself, the physical body leads to certain... The, the fact that we're in a body, and I would say any dimensional body form, leads the mind in certain ways. And it also is the result of uh, continued ignorance and craving and desire and, con- uh, and, and distortion. Seven chakra imperfection. And the only way out, um, the, the only one that seems to be speaking about it is Buddhism and Buddhadhamma. And that's interesting. So, anyway, rather than go on and on, because it could be, uh, we'll call it a day. And... Um, next time uh, take it a little further uh, not this sutta but go to the next <clears throat> next time we're looking at Dhammacharya Sutta number 6 in chapter 2 wrong conduct and uh, <clears throat> the write up from Tanasaro is the monks are encouraged to avoid monks who conduct their lives in unwholesome ways so just because the person wears a robe obviously or has a long beard or a big smile or lots of people following along doesn't mean that the person is um, morally developed or spiritually developed We've got to look in further obviously and uh, at that time and though today um, there are people who go into religious orders even monastic celibate orders um, that are chock full of distortions and don't resolve them while um, in the training so, anyway, I hope this was interesting. Uh, don't become a yaksha.
So, thank you for being here. <laughs> I'm glad we had no white noise and it's a peaceful day. Uh, take good care of yourself. Stay safe. See you next time. And good night. <laughs>